0: Thirteen and a half years ago, 13 and a half years ago, Blue Valley introduced a framework for understanding the Christian life called the five habits of a Jesus follower. Surrender, sustain, sacrifice, shine, and share. And for years, you could not come to Blue Valley on a Sunday morning without hearing about them. It became prominent in our branding. There have been, over the years, multiple message series kind of unpacking their meaning. In fact, uh, we even had these uh, silicone bracelets printed up once upon a time that had the five habits emblazoned on them. How many, out of curiosity, still have those? Anybody? Several of you do. I'd lost mine, but because I have this deep-seated belief that nothing ever really goes away in a church, for about 20 minutes this past week, I turned the Antioch campus upside down and I stole this from the children's area, just laying out (laughs) there. So I don't know where mine is, but this one's mine now, all right? All right. They were really super popular. We had a hard time keeping them stocked at the time. But with the adoption of our multiply vision in 2019, hearing about the five habits uh, has become not as common. They labor mostly in the background. You you don't hear about them as much. But they're still the backbone of what we do. Our vision, what we're doing, is becoming a multiplying church that is establishing campuses locally and planning autonomous churches locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. But our mission who we are is still to glorify God by helping people everywhere understand what it means to follow Jesus using the five habits of a Jesus follower. When we multiply as a church, that is what we're multiplying. That that core of who we are. But it but it all starts right here and right here. So for that reason, we're beginning 2023 with a five-week series of messages called Living a 5S Year that will challenge us to renew ourselves, commit ourselves to these habits that are essential for faithfully following Jesus in a new year in any year. And we start with the habit of surrender. Now, surrender is a hard thing. In fact, I think we are genetically predisposed to to never surrender. We don't want to do it at all. Any parent of a two-year-old understands that this is the truth. When our oldest, who in just a few weeks will be 30, how did I get that old? I have a 30-year-old son. But, but when our oldest was about that age, we went to war one evening over putting up a toy. When you live with Julie Lynch... You understand that when you take something out, when you're finished with it, you put it up. I surrendered to that way of thinking very early on in our marriage, but Caleb that evening decided that he would launch a little mini rebellion, and he had toys out all over the place, and when he refused to put one of them up, I took it from him, and I put it on the back porch, and he cried, and he wailed, and I went to the next toy, and I said, you need to put this up for dad, and he wouldn't do it. So I took it, and I put it on the back porch, and he cried, and he wailed, and well, you get the idea. It didn't take very long before every toy he owned was sitting on our back porch. He never did surrender. I did because Julie told me to, but but he didn't. Never surrender. It is in our bones. But without surrender, none of us have any story at all of following Jesus. To become a follower of Jesus, we must all come to this one singular point of entry, surrender. We must surrender our earthly and our eternal lives to Jesus, and we must give up Not in a metaphorical kind of way, but in a real practical kind of way, we must give up control of our lives, which is something that we have ingrained in us to never, ever do. And so, how will we ever do it? Well, if you would, please find Ephesians chapter 1 in your copy of God's Word. Today, we're going to take kind of a survey of this very important chapter a very rich chapter from God's Word, and we'll use it as the basis for understanding what surrender is in the first place, grasping three truths it teaches us about surrender, and then we'll close out by thinking about how we can make 2023 a year of surrender to Jesus. And the first thing we're going to learn this morning is this. Surrender, how we get it. Uh, to a point where we do it in the first place, surrender is based on a past decree, a past decree. If you would please look at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself, as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will now that that little chunk of ephesians chapter 1 is the platform for theological debate all over Christendom. And every Christian is going to have to come to grips in their own hearts and through their own study of Scripture as to what they mean in the particulars. And I'm not laboring under any illusion whatsoever that there is agreement as to what these verses mean in their particulars here today. In your heart, in the pew next to you, there isn't complete agreement on our staff as to what these verses mean in their particulars. There's not complete agreement in my home as to what these verses mean in their particulars. Some people will look at these verses as I do and see that God in His sovereignty chose, elected those who would surrender to His Son Jesus and follow Him. Others believe, as I once did, that these verses teach that God chose his own son, and that those who choose to follow him find their individual election in God's election of Christ. But here is one thing that all sides of this theological debate concerning these scriptures agree upon. Surrender begins and ends with God because salvation begins and ends with God. It doesn't matter what you believe about these particulars. All camps agree to that, all Orthodox camps anyway. So go ahead, debate that among friends, study these verses yourselves, reach your conclusion based on your own study of Scripture. But wherever we land, we will be able to agree that they teach this key truth, surrender begins and ends with God. Because salvation begins and ends with God. Now, why is this so important to grasp? Well, it's important to grasp for two very, very important reasons. First, without understanding that in some way our surrender is based on what God alone has done, then the idea of grace doesn't just begin to break down. It starts to lose any meaning whatsoever. Without our surrender somehow being tied in some way to God's decision in eternity past. Ephesians 2, and 9, for instance, would read something like this. By obedience, by morality, by good works, are you saved through effort? Salvation is your own doing. It is your gift to God. It is accomplished by your work. So go ahead and boast. That kind of statement wouldn't be a statement of surrender, and it would not make grace a meaningful concept at all. But Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 tells us that our surrender Begins and ends with God. Were it not for that truth about Scripture, a person could arrive in heaven and they could claim that they had earned the right to be there and therefore claim some of the glory for being there to themselves. Glory that Only God deserves. Grace only makes sense if we take the Scripture at face value and understand that in some way that we may never fully understand, surrender is based on a past decision by God. God graces us with the ability to surrender. So the first reason it is important to grasp that surrender is based on what God alone has done Is because grace doesn't make sense otherwise but the second reason this is so important to grasp is that without this understanding we have no assurance of our salvation because salvation starts and stops with him he is the last and final word on the reality and the perseverance of our salvation If I could lose my salvation, I would have lost it before my English muffin this morning. But because all of it is held by him because he is the first and last word on the reality and the perseverance of his salvation, then we can know that we are saved from one minute to the next because our surrender rests in God's hands in the first place. And because it is in his hands, nothing that we did put us there and nothing that we can do can take us from it. Ephesians 1 teaches that in the far reaches of eternity past... A decree went forth regarding your surrender. What that means conceptually in its details is up to you and the Holy Spirit in your study of Scripture to determine. And once you find it, a word of advice here, hold it humbly and don't be a jerk. But once you arrive at that conclusion, you'll pull back and you will understand that all camps agree practically that God made our surrender possible with a decree from the halls of heaven before the first sun ever rose on our planet. Our surrender is based on a past decree. Or to put it as simply as possible, our surrender is possible because of God's grace. So the answer to the question, how would we ever surrender if we're predisposed to never surrender, it's because God gives us the grace to surrender. But next, it's important to understand that our surrender is grounded in an historical event. I want you to look at verse 6. All of this is to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the beloved in him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. God uh, is, is accepting of us, Paul says, in the beloved, in Jesus, through whom we have redemption through his blood. So our surrender, this is what Paul is saying, is grounded in the life, in the death, in the burial, and the resurrection of the person, Jesus Christ. It's important for you, to, I, you and I to understand, you see, to what it is that we are surrendering because there's a lot of confusion in the world, perhaps even in this room this morning about that. Frequently, you will talk to people about the ground or the basis of their salvation and they will say, for instance, that they are saved because they surrendered to the rite of baptism. They'll say, say they are saved because at some point in their lives, as a baby, as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, they were baptized. Or you'll talk to someone about the ground, the basis of their salvation, and they will say that they are saved, that they are are surrendered because they surrendered to church membership. They joined a particular church family. Their name is on the roll. They performed these tasks in the church. They held this office in the church. They get the church newsletter. They surrendered to church membership. Or you'll talk to someone about the ground, the basis of their salvation, and they will say that they are saved because they surrendered to a type Of Christianity. They will say they are saved because they're Roman Catholic or Methodist or Church of Christ or Baptist or Presbyterian, etc., etc., etc. But in Paul's view, in Ephesians 1, And in the view of the totality of Scripture, salvation is not accomplished when we surrender to a religious activity like baptism, or when we surrender to a religious group like a church, or when we surrender to a broader grouping of churches like a denomination. Salvation is accomplished only when we are surrendered to and completely identify with Jesus Christ. Christ, a man who really lived and was really buried and who really rose. Jesus Christ, who was much more than a good man and a great teacher and a compassionate revolutionary. We are surrendered to the person of Jesus who we believe to be God. And as a result of our surrender to Jesus, scriptures say that we are considered by God to actually have died with Jesus. Colossians 3.3 says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And as a result of our surrender to Jesus, believers are considered by God to have been buried with Him. Romans 6.4 says that we are buried with Him by baptism into death, but that we are raised from the dead as He was so that we Two might walk in the newness of life. So we are not only considered to have been buried with Christ fully and completely identified with him. We are also fully and completely identified and living in the power of his resurrection. Therefore salvation is a finished feat because of a person who really lived. Whose name is Jesus. Who taught that he was God. And we believe him to be. When we become followers of Jesus, we are not becoming followers of a pastor or a church or a denomination. We are surrendering to the one and committing to follow the one who alone can lead us to God, and that is Jesus Christ who proved it through his life. We follow Jesus because we have surrendered to him, and that surrender, therefore, is grounded in history, in the life of Jesus. Finally, Surrender is experienced through a present confession. I want you to look with me at verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The process by which salvation comes to us is clearly identified in these verses. We hear the word of the gospel, and then we believe it. Only when we hear the word of the gospel and believe it are we considered to be surrendered to Christ and born again. So what does it mean to believe it? Well, in our way of viewing things, to believe something is simply to intellectually assent to the truthfulness of something or to the sincere hope of something. I believe that the clouds bring rain. I believe the earth circles the sun. I believe the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, you get the idea. It's head knowledge, but it doesn't really cost anything for any of us to believe that. But that is not how the concept of believing something particularly as it relates to Jesus' it works in the New Testament. For the New Testament writers, the word believe meant to have total buy-in to Christ. It meant that you bought into his identity As God in human flesh. It meant that you bought into his mission, which is to redeem mankind from their sin. It meant that you bought into the situation that we all are born into, that of hopeless sinners. It meant that you bought into the provision that he made through his life and death and resurrection as your only hope to have that sin at the core of you atoned for. In short, it means that you are, are willing to make a confession that you are a sinner, that Christ died for you and that you need him in this life and in the life to come. This is the confession that we make in this life that indicates that we have truly surrendered ourselves to follow Jesus. And so that's the 30,000-foot view of surrender. It is based on what God the Father has done It is grounded in the life and work of Jesus Christ and it is experienced by a confession of total belief in Jesus by which, verse 13, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. But remember where I started. Surrender is hard to do. impossible on our own to do so hard that if you pull back the layers to the testimony of people who say that they have surrendered to follow Jesus, you'll find that what they are really saying is that they surrendered to Jesus the part of their life they're not using now, eternity. I mean, I I surrendered the heaven part of my life to Jesus But when you examine the testimony of their lives, apart from their Sunday morning prayers and habits, and apart from, I don't know, their prayers before a meal, provided they're at home and not out because only, you know, idiots would do that, there is very little evidence that they've surrendered their life here to Jesus. In other words, many, many people who say they surrendered their life to Jesus still live their own lives like they are in full control of them. Jesus has next, but I've got it here. And so to the habit of surrender at Blue Valley, we've added this declaration for followers of Jesus. I will daily submit to Jesus as my king, not my life coach, not my best buddy, Not my co-pilot showing my age. But to Jesus as my king. Because ultimately that's what it means to surrender at the ground level. It means that you are committing yourself when you receive salvation to make a daily commitment to surrender your life to Jesus as king. To live all of your life under the rule of God. So if you follow Jesus, what would 2023 look like if you lived each day of the new year by that declaration? Jesus is my king. What would it be like? Let me suggest a place to start. Here it is. Where, right now, is it most clear in your life that you have set up your own kingdom? Where in your life right now have you built walls to keep the rule of God out? Don't go easy on yourself. I'm going to linger here for a while so that we can become uncomfortable and making people uncomfortable is my spiritual gift. Where is it in your life where you regularly say, God, you can't rule this? Is it in your appetites? Does Jesus have no real say in how much you eat or how much you drink does God have any say over your sexual appetites? Do you honor Jesus in that aspect of your life or do you set the boundaries of what is proper? Do you rule the kingdom of your stewardship? Is Jesus king of what you spend? Is Jesus king of how you use what he owns. That's the surrendered mindset to his glory. Do you rule the kingdom of your family? Does Jesus have the right to say no to a family activity? that interferes with service to him. I've parented through Johnson County. My kids are grown. I know the pressure. I know what it's like. But folks, I'm telling you, especially in this room, I know what has your Sunday morning schedule. I know what comes first. And I'm only bringing it up knowing how hard it is Because that is evidence of a part of life where you'll say, we've got this. Do you rule the kingdom of your vocation? Are you pursuing personal vocational success? Or are you using your vocation as a platform to make Jesus known to your coworkers, which is why he put you there in the first place? Do you rule the kingdom of your free time? Is your time spent scrolling social media balanced at all by time spent sitting in the Lord's presence in seeking His Word, in meditating on His Word? I think we're all at the point now where we'll say, I'm good. You don't need to go any further. And I I get that. Always understand that the first person who's made uncomfortable by a message is the one writing it. So I've had ample time to realize that there are vast areas of my life that fly under the banner of my will rather than the rule of Jesus. And if we as followers of Jesus... Are going to live a year of surrender, surrendering those areas of lives where we're fiercely autonomous is going to be the king of being able to come to the end of the year, really saying, I've lived 23 as a surrendered year. That's the assignment for those of us who are followers of Jesus this week, to linger over where in our lives Our kingdom is still entrenched. But there are likely some people here who don't follow Jesus. You know that you don't. So the path to 23 being a year of surrender for you is far less complex in scrutiny, but it's infinitely more comprehensive in scope. For you, if you've never given your life to Jesus to live a year of surrender, you must surrender to Jesus as as King, as your Savior and as your Lord. You must surrender your belief in your worthiness for salvation. You must embrace your identity as a sinner in rebellion against God. And you must place your trust for that sin to be erased and your identity to be changed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the starting point. This is the only gate in. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's where you must start. And if you're willing to start, I want to help you this morning. Would you bow your heads, please? Let's spend some time together.